the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. My name is Jeremy Stolnicker. Great to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best to bring you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. When we talk about culture, it is changing, not just here in the United States, but around the world And today I want to spend a few minutes talking about that, uh, about some of the things that are happening around the world and specifically what's going on in Ukraine. If you listen to this show regularly, you have heard us talk about Ukraine in the past. Uh, I've had some great guests on. I've talked to those, uh, even some who are in Ukraine and doing work there. And I want to talk a little bit about what's happening there. I'm coming off of a trip this last week where... um, I, along with other members of the Mighty Oaks Foundation team, spent some time talking to leadership there about work that we'll do in the future. And again, for those of you that watch this show or listen to this show, you're familiar with the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Uh, For those of you that don't, I'm going to talk about that a little bit, the work that I do outside of this program, outside of this show. And then after I explain a little bit of that, I'm going to jump into a conversation that I had with Chad Robichaud, the founder of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, In Ukraine, last week, we were sitting there, we turned on a camera, and we had a conversation about why we were there and what we hoped to accomplish while we were there, and wanted to share that with you as well. Uh, So much is happening around the world, and so much is happening in a place like Ukraine, that we can forget the importance of the individual, and we can forget the impact of war trauma on those who are serving, those who are living there. And a lot of good work is being done and I want to explain some of that to you today. So thank you for joining me again. I appreciate you coming along for this conversation and I hope this will be helpful and interesting to you. I'll start again, for those of you that are not familiar with the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, by talking about what we do and how we have done that historically and some of the things we're doing in places outside of the United States. Mighty Oaks Foundation was founded, was established in 2011. We started running programs really in 2012. And for the last uh, more than 10 years, we have been serving veterans, active duty service members, first responders, and spouses. I like to break it down that way. Because if you are a veteran, those who have served in the military, uh, currently serving in the military, you're active duty. A first responder, that's fire and police and those others who fall under that pretty big umbrella. Or you're married to someone in those communities. The Mighty Oaks Foundation, the organization that I work for and that I represent, uh, we serve you. Those are our audiences. And uh, we've been blessed over the last several years to serve more than 4,000 people through our week-long programs held at locations across the country. And we do all of this at no cost. If you go to our website, mightyoaksprograms.org, mightyoaksprograms.org, you can find out more about what we do. But there is on that website a place to apply to our program. If you fall into one of those categories, you apply. Our team will get back to you. We cover the cost of the program. We cover the cost of travel. And we do our very best to help deal specifically with trauma. 
trauma related to life that was perhaps made worse by military service or service in our community as a first responder. We talk about post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder. We've written on this. We've provided resources for it. And really, we spend every day of our lives with our large team across the country engaging with this issue and specifically engaging with trauma and post-traumatic stress from a faith position. We talk about spiritually being spiritually resilient, what spiritual resilience is and what that looks like. How understanding that God is and God created and God has a purpose for our lives can allow us to continue moving forward in spite of the traumas that we may have endured or having that relationship, how it can make us resilient in the face of future trauma, future difficulties, getting knocked down and having the ability to get back up. Organizationally, that's what we do. We've done that for, uh, again, more than 10 years, working through our programs. In addition, we speak to active duty military units on bases and in conferences across the country every year. Tens of thousands of folks that we've spoken to on that topic, spiritually, uh, spiritual resiliency, how to be spiritually resilient, how to understand who we were created to be, how we were created to live, and how that understanding makes us resilient in life. This is Every day of our lives, this is what we deal with. I say all of that to say this. A couple of years ago, we were asked by um, another military outside of the United States if we would be interested in coming and talking to members of their military on that issue, spiritual resiliency. It turns out that trauma is not reserved for Americans. I know a big surprise to all of us, but uh, not, not reserved for Americans or even those in the military. But militaries around the world are dealing with the same issues that we're dealing with, high suicide rates, uh, trauma that's impacting not only the individual, but their families and then their communities, and really struggling to know how to address those. It's one thing to address the physical needs of service members, um, even in, in many ways, the psychological needs, the comfort needs, the economic needs, but the spiritual needs and understanding what it is to be spiritually resilient, that's something that not only the United States military struggles with, but militaries around the world. We were asked if we would come and help with that, and we did. And uh, in that time, over the last few years, four or five years, uh, we've done that in a number of places around the world, which you'll hear us talk about a little bit in the interview that I'm going to have, uh, or I'll share with you in just a minute, with Chad. But we've had the opportunity to do that. It's been amazing. We have gone to places, not combat zones, but places where men and women have been in combat, just like we have for the last 20 years or more, where culturally they're not exactly sure how to navigate that, and we've had the opportunity to help with that. It's been amazing. Uh, when the war in, in uh, Ukraine, I was going to say Afghanistan. That's a different thing. We've we, we worked there as well. Uh, but when the war in Ukraine kicked off, uh, really when the talk of it happening uh, began to bubble to the surface. It started to catch our attention. We then watched as Russia crossed the border into Ukraine and the war started. A lot of the relationships that we have in Ukraine reached out to us for the same kind of help. They asked if we would be interested in supporting the men and women who are serving there. Uh, interestingly, one of the countries that we have worked with before is Ukraine. Back in 2018 and 2019, um, my wife and I traveled to Ukraine. Um, we even took some folks from our team to do just that. To, Ukraine has been at war with Russia a number of times, but since 2014, 
uh, on their border on the east. They've been fighting there. We were able to go and serve some of those families in a family camp type situation. Husbands and wives, kids came together, programs for kids. We talked to the husbands and wives and uh, did our best to help them. So we've been involved there, which allowed us to have some connections there. And it's been great to uh, maintain those connections and those relationships. And then when the war started, those folks reached out to us and said, we need help. One of the things that's different in Ukraine than around the world with militaries who deploy is that their service members, the men and women who are currently fighting this war, live in the country in which they're fighting. In fact, for a lot of people, they're fighting in their neighborhoods, in their communities. They're fighting where uh, they were born and raised, where they have a common language. They don't get to leave. This is not a deployment. They are home, fighting for their own freedom and the freedom of their families. They know that there will be real consequences, not only to themselves, but to their families if they fail. So they're fighting. Many of the men and women who are now fighting never saw themselves as soldiers, but they're citizens of a country that needed them to step up, and so they have. Not ever having had the opportunity to be trained the way that a service member would be trained. Uh, they were given a uniform, given a weapon, and told that they needed to serve. And so they are, uh, needless to say, in all of that, there is a great need for spiritual resiliency. To have a foundation, an understanding of who they are, who they were created to be, how they can move forward in the spite of tremendous loss, tremendous difficulty, tremendous trial, um, overwhelming obstacle, if you will, someone, a major superpower, doing their very best to take away their freedom, watching countrymen and friends lost. Um, my wife and I, having been there previously, uh, two of the men who we got to know during those trips have lost their lives in the last couple of months in the fighting. Horrible situation, and these folks need help to learn how to be and then to be spiritually resilient. What's interesting is people have looked at us and said, why are you doing this? This is so different than what you normally do. It's not different. In fact, it's, it's exactly the same. <laughs> there may be a language barrier. We have translators to help us with that, but it's exactly the same. Uh, the human condition doesn't change from one country to another. And what we have been able to figure out that is, how to communicate this message to service members. We've figured this out here in the United States. We now have the opportunity to communicate to others who are in desperate need of understanding these truths. Uh, our mission hasn't changed here. We, this year, will have 35 weeks of programs for American service members and those in the first responder community. We'll have over a 1,000 folks who will come through one of our programs here in the United States. We'll speak to tens of thousands of American service members, just as we always do. What we've done is added this piece so that we can continue to communicate this message to those who are really, really struggling. And again, we've done this for a number of years. This is just a unique situation in that there's an actual war taking place in the country where we are involved. Uh, this last week, we took a trip, and uh, we've been there a few times, uh, even in the last several months, but we took a trip to connect with local chaplains. Uh, these are, by and large, pastors of churches who have volunteered to be chaplains and are now serving with the military. We went to meet with them. We spent a week uh, touring areas, discussing strategy for how we could best support those who are serving. And uh, while we were there, we had the opportunity to sit down and talk about this and wanted to share that with you as well, uh, that conversation that we had. Um, it's such an amazing thing to watch as God brings pieces together 
and allows connections that have been developed over years to come together at the exact right point in time, the right moment in time. And that's what's happening right now. That's what this conversation is about. That's why we were there. And uh, I hope that it will be of interest to you, certainly interesting to know that other things are happening than just uh, the political conversation. Good things are happening. Very human things are happening. I hope that will be interesting to you. But more than anything, I hope it will uh, encourage you, if you are a Christian, to pray for folks who are struggling spiritually. They're struggling to understand how to navigate moving forward, to pray for families, to pray for loss. Uh, man, such destruction. And we'll put out some videos and uh, some other content through the Mighty Oaks Foundation in the coming weeks about e- even some of that. But uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot that needs to happen. And we have a responsibility to share what we know and what we've learned with others, and we will do that. So please uh, enjoy this conversation, but more than that, uh, allow this conversation to uh, really penetrate and burden your heart for those who are doing their very best to stand up for their freedom, stand up for their homes, stand up for their loved ones, and who need our support. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of My Slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the My Slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with MyPillow Foam and Impact Gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. So we are sitting in Kiev, Kiev. Yeah, Depends on which way you say it. And which way you spell it. That's and which way you say it. I'm like, uh, I keep asking these cities, like, um, hey, is it the right spelling? And they're like, well, it depends the English version or the yeah. Ukrainian version. And it's the Polish version. There's different ways to spell these cities. It's funny because when, when I've been here in the past, before the war, um, we said Kiev, so did the locals. Yeah. Because I, but I think it's the Russian pronunciation. Kiev, Kiev. So Kiev, anyhow, Kiev, Kiev. we're right here. Yeah. The big city in the middle of Ukraine, that's where we are. We uh, traveled all night from Poland to get here. Mm-hmm. It was a long trip. But uh, I'm sure that if you've you know, kept up with what we do, you've heard a lot of what's happening here now. Um, Chad has uh, been here a number of times already, setting up kind of an infrastructure that we could use as a part of Mighty Oaks International to do what we do everywhere, uh, really to talk about spiritual resiliency with those who are serving in the military. And again, here in Ukraine, things are very different than they are in a lot of other places. A lot of the folks that we work with are serving, but they're off the battlefield. They've come home and we have an opportunity to minister to them, to serve them. But it's very different here. And so we're here this week trying to figure out exactly what the game plan is going to be going forward. But uh, some incredible connections. And that's really what we want to talk about a little bit today. I think one of the, the stories that is not told is really how things function, <laughs> not from a political or strategic level, not really even from a wartime uh, position, but how people here in Ukraine are supporting one another and the networks they're using. And 
uh, man, what an important story to be told. I'm sure we'll get into that more in the future, but uh, some of those connections are, are amazing. And yeah. most of them are through the church. Most of them are through the church. Yeah. We, uh, we, we, we had people here before the invasion because we knew this was happening. I made it here like, I think like two weeks after the invasion. Right. Sure. Pretty, yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, in one of the first places I came into Ukraine, I found myself in this weird, I'm in this safe house <laughs> in, in, a, in a town called uh, Chernobyl. Not Chernobyl. Not the, again, another, another one of those weird yeah. city names. But I mean, I'm in this town. I'm in a safe house and I'm in the basement with a pastor. Yeah. Air sirens are going on. It's right. like it's like zero degrees outside, and it feels like 1939 Poland because I'm uh, in this private meeting with a pastor, and he's telling me how uh, they're going to win the war. And uh, and I, and I came to realize uh, at that moment and through several other interactions that one of the real orchestrators of networking, logistics, uh, movement of supplies and resources, all the NGOs that are helping, the non-government organizations that are moving supplies getting them where they need to go, it's all being done by the church. Right. Uh, and essentially, you don't want to say the underground church because they're doing it in a, in a private way uh, that no one's seeing. It's just shadowy. And certainly, we're not here to reveal anybody's operation. Sure. Everybody, everybody, you know, I mean, there's no secret that this is happening. It's not widely known, but it's a secret that this is happening. But uh, the brave men and women of the church yeah. have chosen to stay here. Many, uh, I think in the number of 300,000 Ukrainians now that were outside of Ukraine have chosen to come back into Ukraine during this conflict, many of them pastors and people of faith, to help in this effort. And so what I've seen over the last uh, months of being here is uh, just an orchestrated movements, uh, networking, organizations, and the conduit between all the support from around the world, none of which comes from governments, right. uh, but from the NGO community, right. uh, and the Ukrainian military and Ukrainian people, the connect to the tissue between is the local church in Ukraine. And so obviously, uh, knowing that, we have tapped into that. Uh, we're here for some meetings right now. Uh, we want to bring our message of, of mental and spiritual resiliency, really a message of spiritual resiliency, but being mentally and, and physically and socially and spiritually tough enough to do the job that Ukrainian troops need to do uh, while maintaining who they are and who they're going to walk away from this as hopefully better yeah. than when they did because of that spiritual resiliency. So we bring that message here and uh, you know who better to help us to network that with the Ukrainian military and the, yeah. the church. We talk about resiliency a lot. And on an individual level, one of the principles of resiliency is you need to make a decision ahead of time. Yes. In order to be resilient when the difficulties come into your life, you need to decide ahead of time what you're going to do. And when I think about the church connections here, you know, how, how did all this coordination happen so quickly? How did the churches get up and running so quickly? Well, they, they didn't get up and running so quickly. They had already had, they had developed these community connections. They were already serving each other. They were taking care of each other. So this is just a natural extension of what they were already doing. It's not different. No, they were not just serving their church. They were serving the, the communities. communities around yeah. their church in this country. And so uh, in a time like this, they just yeah. did what they always did. And they stepped up. And, and uh, I mean, look, the military had a chaplaincy problem. And you may think, well, what's the, what do they need that for right now? I mean, it, you know, when we do what we do at Mighty Oaks, we're dealing with people that are deploying. Right. So we do our resilience events like usually pre-deployment before right. they deploy. Right. And then our recovery events are when they get home. Right. Rarely, right. Uh, and, and we haven't ever, just to be frank, frank and honest, we've never had done it on the battlefield for U.S. troops. No. Uh, no. So we've done before. Bases, after, but not on. Yeah, bases. Yeah, not on the battlefield. Right. Um, so we've done before, we've done after. 
we done uh, even in in foreign theaters, but never on the battlefield. And you know, I think the difference between U.S. troops and this not that one's bad or one's worse. We, we'll find out. Yeah. But uh, these guys are deploying. Right. They're not going off from the deployment, leaving right. their families coming back. Right. The, their families are down the street. Yeah. Uh, and what's insane in this is not just their own lives, right. their wife and their their wives and their kids' lives and their mothers and fathers' lives back yeah. on the farm uh, down the road. Uh, so that's what they're fighting for, and uh, and they're not going to be away on deployment. And they're looking at the, you know, most of most of us have been in deployment. We got a countdown calendar. We're going to see our wife and kids yeah, again. Sure. Uh, they don't have that because right. it's, they're staying until it's over. Um, you know, that same pastor in basement told me that one that day. Um, I asked him, you know, how do you see this playing out? And he's like, we're going to win. And I'm like, That's pretty, <laughs> pretty confident answer. What other options are there? Yeah. yeah, he's like, he's like, they have to kill every single this pastor. They have to kill every single man and woman in Ukraine because we won't give it anything. Yeah. And, uh, but that's the mentality. And they can't give up anything because they're not giving up some piece of land that is arbitrary or they're fighting for. They're giving up their home. Yeah. They're giving up their, their, right. their freedom and their livelihood. Right. So right. they're not willing to give in. And then think the Ukrainian government, whether they believe it or not, they have seen the troops or on the battlefield recognizing that this is a good versus evil war. And they believe that God's is orchestrating the victory, these miraculous victories against all odds, which I believe that too, by the way, I believe God's miraculously giving them some victories. And uh, so the Ukrainian military is like, hey, can you help them yeah. to uh, to maintain that? And this, you know, one of our contacts here is facilitating that and, and, and we want to help them to maintain that to bring our teams yeah. uh, at Mighty Oaks. And by the way, this is, for those who support Mighty Oaks, this isn't brand new to us. We've been doing this since 2016. Jeremy's already been here twice before the war. We've been to other countries around the world. It's just, um, it just hadn't been as outfacing as it is yeah. now. But we, uh, you know, bring in what we have helped the U.S. military with to foreign militaries that are right. you know, doing good uh, for their country, and uh, we don't care really uh, about the politics of uh, that country or their right. government. Even in this case, you know, uh, obviously we're here supporting Ukraine, but we don't care about President Zelensky. We don't care about uh, if there is corruption in Ukraine and. Because, as, by the way, well, we care about it, but that's that's, that's not motivating. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if, you know, by the way, I, we have corruption in America too, and our politicians have corruption too. So I can't believe exactly. you say that. <laughs> there, there's no corruption in American politics. So I mean, none of that matters. We care. We care about the people. Yeah, and right. that's what we're. This is about the people, not about the politics. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we're here. One of the interesting things about this situation, in particular, as it relates to resiliency, too, I think, is when you're dealing with veterans. Primarily, those are men and women that made a decision at some point to go into the military. They went through some kind of a training pipeline, whatever that is, <laughs> and they find themselves in a combat situation. Now, we could argue whether or not they're prepared for that or their training gets them ready for that, but they at least decided to put themselves in a situation like that. Sure. Here, many of the folks, the chaplains, the vast majority of them, 95% of them are civilian pastors who threw on a uniform and went to the front lines to minister. These aren't, these aren't people who decided to be in the military. And now, you know, a lot of the families that have gone, it's, it's women and children. It's, it's, you know, moms and their kids, dads are staying here and they're fighting and they never had an intention to do that. So I think when it comes to resiliency too, this is a different situation in that we're, we're trying to help people become combat resilient who never imagined themselves being in combat. combat. What would you say to uh, there's some haters out there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's always haters. 
So uh, what would you say to, okay, I've got the question, so I'm going to stump you with the, with the question. Sure. That would, that would, somebody would say, what do you, you guys are Americans, you run a, run a U.S. military veterans ministry. Yeah. Why are you over in Ukraine when you could be focusing on our borders, right? Our border, yeah. our border crisis. So you could be, what are you guys doing over there? Like, well, yeah. why, are you, why are you there? Well, uh, I know what I say, but. Yeah. I, well, I mean, we have, we have what we do. Our mission statement is to serve those who have served. We talk about the United States military. That's how we started, was serving the United States military. And that is the core of our program. And it always should be. Idea, right? it, it's, it's, it's who we are. And not only that, but how we serve them. Spiritual resiliency, faith-based programs for those dealing with trauma, whether it's related to their service in the military, their service in the community, or just life trauma. Our, our audience, if you will, our veterans, active duty service members, first responders, and their spouses. That's our audience and Americans. And we raise money for that. We focus on that. We have done that. We produce resources for that. But what we have as veterans, and I would say more importantly as Christians, is what we've learned over the last 10 or 11 years is how to communicate a spiritual resiliency message to those who have served or are serving in the military. That's one thing that's unique to us. And we've had the opportunity to go to places around the world where there are men and women who are serving in the military. They just aren't Americans. But we have the opportunity to do what we do, and that is communicate spiritual resiliency to them. And I think one of the important things to understand is when we do something like this, we're not using money raised for American veterans to do this. There are people who support specifically this opportunity that we have. Because to us, to me at least, I can't speak for both of them, I think I can, but to us it's more than just American veterans. It's about serving those who have served with the message of truth and hope that's found in a relationship with God. And our core will always be American veterans. This year we'll do 35 weeks of sessions in the United States. Plus, um, plus, our, resiliency plus our resiliency programs. So we'll have close to a thousand people will come through one of our programs. American veterans <laughs> come through one of our programs. And then thousands of American veterans and American active duty service members will hear our message. And here, I don't know what will happen. We don't have any idea. But, you know, if we could break it into amount of resource, the vast majority of our resources are going there. Designated resources are being used for this. And it's an opportunity as an extension to do what we do. And I think if we didn't do this, not that we have to do it here, or have to do it a certain number of times, but to be unwilling to communicate the truth and hope here to at least be willing to do that. We have to be willing to do that. There's no other, yeah. and, and, and the, the border crisis that you, you said that and people do, do talk about that. This isn't a border crisis issue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, we serve veterans, active duty service members, first responders and their spouses. That's what we're doing here. We're, we're not a border patrol organization. No, we're not a border patrol organization. It's not our expertise. And by the way, can America tackle both issues? Do we have to just pick one? Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, honestly, if, if we were asked to come and communicate spiritual resiliency to on the border, border to the border patrol agents, like, I, I, I mean, yeah, we have we've done events for border patrol agents, yeah. and you know, but that's not what people are talking about. They're mad that they're, they're mad. They're mad because of border patrol. They look for somebody to yell at, and, uh, and they we're easy target. And we're here helping folks. Right, yeah, and we wouldn't help stop what's happening at the border anyhow. So right, yeah, we we can. That's not our job. Yeah, our <laughs> <laughs> Or our skill set or our ability. Yeah. Um, so what we're doing here, and, and people may not understand this, but what we're doing here is, is an extension of, of what we already 
what we do, what we always done, and and uh, and, and and we're doing it. It's it's an amazing thing, and, I, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity that got the doors that God's opening to allow us to do this. The people who obviously we can't display that are behind the scenes making this happen. Uh, you know, some amazing human beings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's important to remind people too. This is not this is not us. I mean, we we play one very small part in this. Yeah. But the organization around it, which is is, is it an organization? It's a it's a loose network of affiliated peoples yeah. <laughs> who are doing stuff who've come together for a common cause. And we were talking about this uh, even yesterday on our very very long drive. Uh, it's amazing how many people from all over the place, organizations, institutions, individuals have said, that's really important. We need to be there. Everybody's just doing their part. And us, we're doing our part. Big organizations whose name you would know. Yeah. We're, 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 you know, right here with. Right. Working alongside the Ukrainian military, allocating people to us to be our team. Made, uh, you know, yeah. People from our government, people from other NGOs and the church. Yeah. Volunteers. I mean, yeah. all, all make it happen. And the, and the troops. I mean, yeah. look, yeah, I, I know one thing I've learned in the last 12 years of doing Mighty Oaks is uh, you can't help someone want to be helped and sure for the troops here as busy as they are in the middle of fighting to be willing to to desire to hear from us and want us to bring yep. this program to them yep. and so this all comes together yeah so it's uh, it's an amazing time um, we're here these couple of days to really kind of lay out the the roadmap for how this is going to unfold infrastructure set up now we just need to put the rest of the pieces in place and uh, we'll continue to do that but it is yeah, a great opportunity we're going to unveil some Pretty amazing stuff, resources. Again, so many people supporting. Uh, I think one of the bigger, if I can throw a shout out to one of the supporters right now, it's Glenn Beck and Mercury yeah. One. Yeah. Uh, and they have been just an incredible partner in, in, in this. Yeah. And a lot of folks who come along, and again, as a nonprofit, it's important to say that if you want to support American veterans, thank you for doing that. I mean, thousands of American veterans have been supported yeah. and come through programs because of men and women who have said we want to do that. And, and if that's and we'll continue to do and that. we'll continue to do that. If you want to support international efforts, you can do that. It's a separate, it's a separate pot, if you will. And uh, we're thankful for people that that want to do both. We want to remain good stewards of those resources that you know men and women across the country and around the world entrust to us. We're going to continue to do that. Yep. So it's good. Thank you. Talk again. All right. Since the beginning of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, we've had the opportunity to speak to large groups of active duty military members on the topic of spiritual resiliency. We try to help those who have been hurt, who have been broken, get back on their feet and align to the purpose that God has for them. When we're talking about resiliency, what we're really talking about is aligning to that purpose before the trauma comes. It's an extension of what we've done since day one. Several years ago, we were reached out to by a foreign military, asking us if we could address spiritual resilience to their troops. It turns out that the need for spiritual resilience is not an American need. (laughs) It's a human need. Having learned how to communicate this message to the warriors among us, we've been asked over the last several years to come to other countries, to go to places where the uniforms look similar but may have a different country flag on the shoulder and communicate the same message, the spiritual resiliency message to those who are serving in other nations. We find ourselves today, of course, at a very difficult moment in history.
We look at all that's happening in the world, and so many in the world are focused on one relatively small country, the country of Ukraine. We've helped the Ukrainian military in the past, prior to the current conflict, help to serve the families of those who are serving their country. But now we understand that that country is engaged in actual combat at this moment. Uh, That many uh, citizen soldiers, if you will, those who not too long ago were running businesses and raising their families, have put on the uniform and been handed a weapon so that they can defend their homeland, defend their neighborhoods, and defend their families. Really, the question of their nation's sovereignty is still up in the air. Hey guys, we're in a earpin, and uh, this pile of cars behind us it just showed that they, I mean, the Russians came through this town, they came through the woods in the, in the neighborhoods. Uh, we just went to some homes where the, the homes are just torn up, and uh, some of the guys we're with were showing up, uh, you know, just videos of the bodies, and uh, uh, this is not, again, it's not military targets. These are uh, civilians, and the Russians came through here and just annihilated these people. Bodies were, well, I just seen the videos, bodies were everywhere. Uh, so, uh, this is the reality of what actually happened here uh, in Europe. And while all of this is happening, we have been asked, as the subject matter experts on spiritual resiliency for those in the military, we've been asked to come and communicate the message we've been communicating for more than 10 years. The message that God is. That in the midst even of difficulty and trial and the unexplained, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Many have asked, why are you in Ukraine? (laughs) The simple answer is because there are humans, men and women, with spiritual needs that can be addressed through the message that those at the Mighty Oaks Foundation have been addressing for many, many years. We'll continue to do what we do at home our core programming through our legacy programs and our resiliency events for American military members. We'll continue to go to other nations as they ask us to, but right now we're doing the very best that we can to support those who are in extreme need. We're so grateful for the opportunity that we've had and that we continue to have and ask that you would join us in prayer as we do the best we can with what God has placed in our hands, the message of truth that we can steward over for the benefit of those in need. Appreciate you joining for that conversation. And uh, again, very different episode than we typically have, but wanted to share this with you because I think the work is just that important. And there's a lot of good work going on. I'll tell you, um, we are so inundated with the political nature of what's happening and what's Russia doing and sanctions and other countries and all the rest of it. Um, Being there, what you realize is that there is a lot of good work going on. Organizations like Samaritan's Purse, a well-known organization, uh, building out a hospital, providing food and other resources. Uh, I had the opportunity to see some of the, the facilities that they have there and what they have brought in to support families and children and, and so many good things happening. Uh, smaller organizations, non-governmental organizations that you would not have heard of that are doing great work supporting folks there and will continue to do that. Uh, so be encouraged with that. I think that's the human story and that's the one that we need to understand. And then spiritually, trying to provide support 
to them as well, and we'll continue to do that. Pray for us, and uh, we'd love for you to stay involved, connected to what we're doing. If you'd like more information about this or anything else we do with the Mighty Oaks Foundation, please go to our website. Best place to find information about us is at our website, mightyoaksprograms.org mightyoaksprograms.org and uh, there you'll find everything about our programs, what we're doing, why we do it. Also connections out to our social platforms organizationally and individually where we put out a ton of information about what's happening here in the United States and around the world and we'd love to have you connect there. If you are not yet subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. Please subscribe. We do our best uh, really for Nothing in return. We're not asking anything from you, but we do our best to provide you with the very best information you can have, uh, and often through great guests and conversations, to know how to deal with the world around you. That's what all of this is about for us. And I would love for you to stay connected to that. The best way to do that is through being subscribed on your favorite podcast platform. You'll get this content when it comes out. Go to our YouTube channel, Mighty Oaks uh, programs has a YouTube channel on YouTube. Of course, that's where all YouTube channels are found is on YouTube. Uh, Mighty Oaks, you can find us there, but this show also has one, the situation report. You'll find that there as well. Subscribe to both of those, hit the notification bell. That lets you know when other content comes online. And, uh, we're thankful to be able to share this with you. Thank you for joining me today. Appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. 
You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all the planning and all the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, (laughs) the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all of your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that application out. Our team will get back to you. Set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation. 
Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.